This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast talking nothing but Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for being back with us. Also, a hearty hello to our radio audience in Las Vegas, Nevada, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. If you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan or 11.40 The Bet, thanks for checking in. Raider Nation, we certainly appreciate it. Make sure you also subscribe to the podcast because we do it all during the week as well. We'd appreciate you coming along for the ride there as well. Uh, speaking of, as I go on this ride, I never do it alone. It's always with my partner, my good friend, the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. That is Mr. Mo Moten. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Not only on the Raiders, but anything else NFL, he's got you covered. Mo, here we are back again. We took a day pause uh, show yesterday, show today after uh, obviously uh, the, the the just horrific incident here in Cincinnati. Uh, and it's just crazy because this game, we talk about it every week. Uh, you write about it every day. And sometimes life just slaps you in the face and you see the humanity involved here. And it's it's just good to see, I think, some unity. I've seen the whole country kind of get behind uh, this whole situation and and make sure that, hey, let's 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 put aside divisions for a minute and pray for this young man. Uh, really, really heartfelt and, and nice to see from the NFL community. Right. And I think the NFL has done the right thing where they haven't decided what's going to happen with that game yet. I believe Troy Vincent said that because they've been so concerned with Hamlin's condition, DeMar yeah. Hamlin's condition. Uh, and that obviously comes first before any result or any playoff implications. That's obviously all secondary. But I was pleased to see the Cincinnati fans. And I know you're in Cincinnati. Yep. And it was cool to see how they reacted and how they responded to all of this. Some fans even showed up at the hospital, fans donating to DeMar Hamlin's toy drive. So many acts of kindness, and it, it was just pleasing to see. Yeah, that that toy drive had had a goal of $2,500 for the holidays is now up over $4 million. And I know yep. once DeMar 
uh, is up and Adam and healthy, which it sounds like the latest report we had on Wednesday was that uh, they've turned him over on his stomach. So there's improvement there. Uh, he's got a long way to go, clearly, uh, after in what appears now to have been two bits of cardiac arrest. So in essence, yep. two of those things, it's just incredible that he's still alive. And, and yes, the people of Cincinnati, the whole community, actually, all I sent you and Evan, of course, Evan Grote from Just Pod Baby lives up in Buffalo. His wife is a Bills fan. And I've been sending them pictures because uh, the whole city here in, in Cincinnati is any lights are blue and red for, for DeMar. And so uh, it's been very good and, and everybody feels very close. And of course, Bill's Mafia overall, Bill's fans, very good people. I've never had a bad interaction with them. And so I think the camaraderie, it also goes back to, if you remember, Andy Dalton, when he was on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the last game of the season, uh, hit a pass to uh, win the game and put the Bills into the playoffs, if you recall. They hadn't been there in 20 years or whatever it was. I can't remember the number now. So um, the, the the Bills and Bengals fans kind of have a close camaraderie, and that got closer uh, with this incident here. And by the way, huge shout-out to the the folks at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center and all the first responders on the field, Mo. I mean, you know, we, we see these people every day in our lives, and I don't think we appreciate them enough until we have a disaster or something crazy like this. But those folks made sure that he got in the best hands as quickly as possible, and that's why he's alive today. Right. I believe it was his uncle was on CNN being interviewed. And basically, I think you alluded to it, that he he needed to – basically, he said he died twice. Yeah. Once on yeah. the field, they had to uh, administer CPR. And then when he got to the hospital, again, uh, his heart gave out. So, as you said, shout out to the people who were first responders and taking care of DeMar Hamlin in time of need. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to jump into Raiders football now, as we always do. And a couple of things, Mo, we want to hit here in this first segment. One was an article that came out yesterday from our friend Vinny Bonsignor over at the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, that has to deal with Derek Carr. Uh, we're going to talk about that bombshell that he dropped there. And then on the tail end of this segment, we'll talk about also something we talked about yesterday which was the David Carr uh, comments. Now, the time we recorded that show, since we delayed it a day, um, it had been dated a little bit. He still hasn't gone on the, the, the Carr family podcast thing yet, but he did talk about his brother's situation on the NFL Network, and we're going to get to that on the second half of this segment. But first, I want to start with this, this bombshell, Mo, and I'm going to bring it up here on the screen for everybody to see, uh, and that was from Vinny's piece where he talked about if you go back to the headline, I think it's something to the effect of Raiders top priority signed Tom Brady to replace Derek Carr. That was the headline. So, you know, a headline like that, people are going to start reading. But as you get into the story here, and I'm showing it on the screen if you're watching us on YouTube, and I will read it for those uh, listeners who are listening to the audio. And under the quarterback uh, situation, it says, quote, the Raiders concluded Carr was not a long-term fit within weeks of the start of the season. Benching him eliminated a risk of $40 million injury, guaranteeing kicking in had he gotten hurt the final two games of the season. Then the next paragraph says, quote, the Raiders were determined not to be handcuffed to a quarterback they no longer believed in and one that represented a major drag on their 2023 salary cap. That's from Vinny Bonsignor in the Las Vegas Journal. And Mo, let's, let's jump in a couple layers here. Number one... And, and and you sent me this story. I I, I was running around on uh, uh, at the office, and I didn't see it until you sent it to me on Wednesday. 
And then as I read it, um, I was like, wow. And of course, the question started popping in my head. And so mm -hmm. in this first paragraph, we hear that they understood within a couple of weeks of the season that he was not the long term answer in Las Vegas in the silver and black. And my question, Mo, is if that's the case, if, if Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler knew within two or three weeks, I, I don't know what a few weeks means, but we're going to say two or three weeks, let's say four that Derek Carr was not their answer, that they, they wanted to move away from Derek Carr at the end of the season. Why was a change not made earlier? Uh, I don't, especially with the start the Raiders. I have so many questions on this, but I want to get your reaction first to that explosive fact there in the paragraph in Vinny's story, <laughs> and then maybe you can answer my question. I was, I was taken aback because from what we heard before Josh McDaniels took the head coaching job, he wanted Derek Carr when he was in New England. Mm -hmm. So he had an affinity for Derek Carr. I think even David Carr went on the NFL Network and, and pointed this out. So for them to fall out of, out of love or out of like with him within weeks, I, I, now Vinny didn't say, Vinny Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review Journal, didn't say exactly when, but I, I would guess it would have to be maybe the Chiefs game when the Raiders just, you know, Gave up that mm -hmm. lead and lost that game. Maybe it was maybe it was further into the season because he remember Vinny didn't say exactly when. Maybe it was the Saints game that confirmed it yeah. for them yeah. when they got when they didn't get across the fifty yard line with Carr. But to answer your question, I think the reason you keep Derek Carr even though you lose faith in him is you don't want the team to go in the tank mm -hmm. because basically when you if you trade Derek Carr in the midst of the season in the first half of the season you're telling your guys we're punting on the quarterback. And we're basically starting over at the position. There are going to be a lot of changes. And I think you want to keep that competitiveness because remember, the Raiders were in the playoff picture up until they lost that Rams game. They, they had a right. chance. You remember, I was putting the tweet out every week that mathematically could be 10 and 7 to make the playoffs. So they were right. in the in the mix up until late in the season. So you don't want to throw, I don't want to say throw in a towel, but you don't want to make a major change when you still have a chance to turn things around. And they went on a bit of a streak. So it's, mm -hmm. in a sense, it's good that they didn't pull the plug in the middle of the season because, again, you don't want guys to go in the tank and, and say, okay, throw our hands up, the season's over, we're trading our starting quarterback. So I, yeah. I kind of understand why they didn't make the move when they fell out of life with Carr at the moment. Well, and how much of that, too, it, it had to do with the position they find themselves in? If they knew within a few weeks, Mo, let's just make some assumptions here. Of course, I'm making assumptions. This is not based on any reality or information we have. But if they had this inclination that, you know, we're going to move on from him, they knew the out in, in his contract meant that either they were going to walk away from him and eat $5 million or they were going to start to uh, try to trade him. And so so my question to you while you fix your light, if you're watching us on YouTube, Mo, Mo's light bulb went out. Um, but we if you if you're the Raiders and you're thinking about trading Derek Carr. Um, you might as well let him play a little bit. Like as long as you feel like he's not hurting you so bad that you don't have a chance to win games. And clearly I don't think Derek Carr was ever in the position or performed so poorly that you would yank him in the middle of the game. Has there been time? Sure, but not really consistently. So if that's the case, I totally understand. Look, let's keep him in there. Let's give him an opportunity. He is a veteran. And your point about the locker room is a great one. I didn't think about it, to be frank with you. The fact that he's able to uh, uh, keep that locker room together because those guys, you know, when you when you make a switch like that, that ch changes the whole trajectory of your season. Uh, but the trade value, might that have something to do with it too? I would say, of course, the trade value has something to do with it. But mm -hmm. again, you don't want to, you don't want to, 
tip your hand and not tip your hand, but you don't want to give the inclination that you're giving up on the season before mm-hmm. you're, I don't want to say mathematically eliminated, but before you give your guys a chance to turn around. You remember you had Devontae Adams. Right. I know Hunter Renfro had been hurt. Darren Wall at the time, we didn't know that he was going to be out for an extended period. Remember, he played a little bit in that Chiefs game and went out. So again, we don't know at what point the Raiders felt like Derek Carr wasn't the guy. So until we get that information, we don't we can't really piece that together. But again, in the first half of the season, if you trade your starting quarterback, <laughs> there's going to be a ripple effect in the locker room. And I don't right. think they wanted to to have that ripple effect that early in the season whenever they decided they wanted to move on from Derek Carr. Yeah, it, it's interesting too that that how did man? I'll tell you what. Maybe it's the it's the holdover from New England, but the fact that no media got word of that tells you that they kept it very small. And and we heard in some of the reporting over the last week since this change was made, Mo, that Mark Davis was okay with it. Uh, I I wonder too. And again, this is just me wondering. I wonder if that is in case that or should they indeed the case. Then Mark Davis was already there, but he was waiting for his football people to make their own determination, which which some people I he talked to continue to deny that Mark Davis feel that way, felt that way. But if you're a Raiders fan with all the, the criticism Mark Davis is getting right now, too, um, that makes me feel better because over the years, Mark Davis has been maybe too involved in the football. And now he brought in these two new guys as coach and his GM. And if this is all true and, and accurate, then he's letting his football guys make the decisions. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Right. But I also want to bring up something. Do you remember the WNBA playoffs were going on? The Aces win the championship. Yes. And Mark Davis was tending to those WNBA matters and supporting that franchise. Yep. Remember when he came back and he, and and Vic, I think it was Vic Taper wrote it in The Athletic that now his full focus is, is back on the Raiders and they were like two and five. Yeah. I think at that, I think that now I know Vinny alludes to maybe the decision was made early in the season, but I think mm-hmm. at that moment when Mark Davis had that closed door meeting with Josh McDaniels and probably Dave Ziegler, I think at that point it was discussed that look, barring a turnaround, we're going to move on from Derek Carr. Yeah. And the discussion was, okay, do we move on now or do we move on in the off season? And it was probably like, well, we could still turn it around, so we'll give Carr a chance to prove us wrong and to play his way back into our plans. Yeah. But if, <clears throat> if, if this doesn't change and we have a sub 500 season, we're moving on. I'm not in the room. Now, this is not a report. I'm no. not saying that I knew you, this for a fact, but, but <laughs> if I were to just apply common sense to the situation yeah. based on Vinny Bonsignor's report, I would assume that that was a conversation that was had with Mark Davis. Yeah, and, and also the timing, uh, even though, and I'm answering my own question, I guess, in some ways, but the timing. So you see the Raiders get to Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. They're still mathematically alive. It's in the, what, low 30s or high 20 percentage. But still, they, the things, the way things were lining up, if they had beaten Pittsburgh, and, and then, then suddenly when they have that 49er game, there's, there's bigger implications there. And and you don't know what happened. You, you don't know what happened. So so to me, I can see them waiting till that point using your logic from earlier when you answered this question, which is, hey, we're not mathematically eliminated. But then you lose to the Steelers, and not only that, but Derek Carr just looks terrible in that game. Um, and especially, I mean, the last throw he had as a Raider probably was just brutal. And so so it makes it easier for you to then say, hey, you know, we got two games left. We're not going to make the playoffs technically. Uh, so let's see what this kid's got. And it gives Derek Carr the opportunity to get the, 
the Band-Aid ripped off. He can deal with his time. They let him walk away from the team for a couple weeks uh, so that by the time they regroup with him after the season's over, maybe, I mean, the feelings will still be raw, but maybe, just maybe, they can come to some agreement so that he can get moved. Right. So as you just as you just pointed out, if the rate, let's keep in mind the AFC the seven seed in the AFC is not locked up yet. The Dolphins no, have nosedive. They've lost several games in a row. So had the Raiders beat the Steelers and beat the and upset the 49ers, which was plausible if you watched that game, they'd be eight and eight right now with a chance to get in. With obviously they would need some, not even need some help because they would be ahead of the Patriots, who have the number seven seed right now because they beat the Patriots head to head. So Derek Carr had a chance to kind of make his case to extend his career with the Raiders had he played well against the Steelers because mm-hmm. then he, they wouldn't have benched him. They probably wouldn't have benched him against the 49ers because they probably said, well, we're still in playoff contention. Derek Carr played well in cold weather against the Steelers. We still have a chance. So Correct. yeah, I, I support what, how they handle the situation. Now there are going to be discussions. We're probably going to get into this today about how they handle yeah. it. Once they benched him, I have thoughts about that. And especially with, with Derek Carr said, Derek, uh, David Carr said, Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some, there was something that he said that I want to point out, but I'll I'll let you close it out because there's a lot there's a lot to talk about there. Well, and and we'll, we'll we in, in that same story too. There was some stuff about Devonte Adams. A lot of fans are worried Devonte Adams will walk away. And in essence, uh, just to paraphrase real quickly, Vinny said that there's no sense that he's going to do that. In fact, it said something to the effect that. While they're friends uh, and close friends, um, they're not so joined at the hip was the term that Vinny used that Devontae Adams wants to walk away. But if for some reason he doesn't like the plan moving forward, uh, the Raiders uh, would would be fine moving him. Now, people don't take that as an explosive revelation. That's anybody. If any player at any point doesn't want to be with the team anymore, of course the team. Now, Devontae Adams has massive value. So if you're going, if somebody's not happy and they don't want to be there because Derek Carr is gone or he doesn't like the new quarterback, then fine. The other thing is we're going to talk about in the second segment, which is the Tom Brady situation. If I'm Devontae Adams and Tom Brady's coming, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. But but we'll talk about that here in a second. For the rest of this segment, I want to get to your point about the David Carr uh, interview on NFL Network where he works. Uh, and I was highly critical of them and how he handles his covering of his brother, not from a personal standpoint. Brothers defend brothers. Got no problem with that. Got a lot of people angry tweeting at me over that. Totally fine. But when you're in the professional realm, it's sort of like being a judge. If your son comes before you on, on trial for drunk driving, you should recuse yourself. Okay. So I got no problem with David Carr being a spokesperson. But when you're in the media, I think there's a now I understand people know it's his brother. It still bothers me just because I'm a purist when it comes to the media stuff. But anyway, I'm going to play the clip, Mo, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what he said, because I agree with a lot of what he said, actually, uh, in retrospect. So let's listen to that. Here's David Carr on the NFL Network about Derek Carr and his breakup with the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr has he's said for a long time that I'm only going to play for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Raiders or no one else. So that's loyalty. So he was fully invested. Six head coaches. Khalil Mack gets traded. Mari Cooper shipped off. John Gruden gets fired midseason. He's going through all this turmoil, right? He never called out a coach, never called out the organization, never called out the top brass in the organization, never said anything. All he did was try to bring people in. He tried to bring in his best friend, which he was successful at, Devontae Adams. 
That trade was dead. The Packers and the Raiders weren't going to trade, right? Mm. They got on the phone and made it happen. So he's bringing people in the entire time. Is he appreciated for that? No. I sit on this desk, and I'm every year. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about Derek. Oh, he's going to be replaced. Oh, someone's going to bring him in, right? They got to trade. They got to do this. They got to do that. All he did was go out and be the all-time leading passer in the history of the Raiders. So when I look at this, all right, it wasn't Derek that changed, right? It was the Raiders that changed. Yeah. So when I go forward with Derek, that conversation about him being retired or a Raider is no longer an option. He's playing football again right so he's reinvigorated he's excited to go out so the Raiders are going to seek a trade they're going to bring trades which Derek has a no trade clause and they're going to listen and he's going to look for teams that have a stable situation between their head coach and their ownership right stable right he's also going to be looking for a team that is also looking for a quarterback that has a reputation for game-winning drives and fourth quarter comebacks I'm excited maybe he's the missing piece for someone we'll see what happens I'm excited for my brother's future I'm a little upset, all right? So that happens. It all happens. right, big bro. I had to vent a little bit. Yeah. I had to vent a little bit. That's all. I like There's, it. This is all. what it's for. Well it's, it's a safe space. It's a safe David. space. Uh, it's a safe space. <laughs> I guess journalistic enterprise as well. It is the NFL network. It's their network, so I get it. But, Mo, get your comments on that. I mean, there's there's like six things I want to talk about <laughs> with this one. But jump in. Tell me. I know you had one at the top of your mind. I, I have two main things. Number one, and I spoke about this on the previous show. The reason I don't have a, a major problem with David Carr speaking on behalf of his brother is because it's above him. And I don't and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I don't want to sound like yeah. a hypocrite because we all know we're in the media, right? So we know it ratings drive actions or, or segments. So if you have a popular segment that gets hits on Twitter or gets hits on Facebook or TikTok, networks like that. Mm-hmm. More eyes on their show, more eyes on their product. So David Carr is allowed to opine on his younger brother, Derek, because I assume that the NFL Network wants this because, look, we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. So people who watch our show are not going to say, well, I want to hear what David had to say. Right. So that's more eyes on that segment. So they're probably, they probably want this because that brings them viewers. That brings them rating. That brings them eyes. That gets people mm-hmm. talking. That's what they mm-hmm. want. So that's why I can't sit here and be a hypocrite and say, I don't like what's going on here because we're fueling that machine. We're, we're, we're getting people to watch that segment, what David Carr said. Now, the other thing that stuck out to me was he said the Devontae Adams trade was dead and Derek and Devontae were the ones that got that going. So I'm sure just when Wendy's listening to this and say, aha, see, this is why Dave Zucker doesn't deserve credit for bringing in Devontae Adams because this was on Derek. And I, and like I said, I go back to saying, well, they didn't have to keep Derek. So they kept Derek. Who knows? They 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 may have kept Derek to think, okay, well, we're gonna get Devontae if if now they probably didn't know this, but now they're thinking in hindsight, well, we kept Derek long enough to get Devontae here. Mm-hmm. Get rid of Derek. Devontae may likely stay. So yeah. we got something out of keeping Derek Carr here. But I will say that it's interesting that David said this because it it kind of alludes to that to, to the people. It gives people <clears> who think that Devontae is going to leave because Derek leaves some ammunition to say, well, Derek leaves. If he was able to recruit Devontae on his own when the trade talks were dead, how do we know that the next team that Derek goes to, he doesn't pick up the phone and say, Devontae, you know, the team I went to, they have a first, second round pick. Come on down, you know, yeah. kind of play hardball with the Raiders and we can play together again elsewhere. So, yeah, pointing that well, out. Yeah, no, and and I think those are those are both good points. Although I think on your first point, yeah, the 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 desire for ratings and all that stuff is one thing, but again, you're you're having you're it's his brother, 
And so you're getting one side of the story uh, and, and you're not getting the full picture. You're getting the reaction, but I get it. it it's, it's the old adage. It goes back to early days of journalism, which is if it bleeds, it leads. And so, so I get that piece mm-hmm. of it. But a couple of things that I want to key on. Number one was he talked about how the Raiders had changed, not Derek. And that's 100% correct. The Raiders changed their approach. They have a different person at GM than Derek Carr had when he got there. He's had several of them as he talked about the dysfunction, something I also 100% wholeheartedly agree with, with David Carr on, which is it's been a mess there. But I keep reminding people Derek Carr agreed twice to stay in the mess. Now, did he assume it was going to be a mess every time, every year? No. But he knew, he knows Mark Davis, he's been in the organizations his entire career. So when they offered him the biggest contract any quarterback had ever had, he took the money. Then this time, after all the crap he's been through over the last three or four or five years, he took another extension. So so let's put our big boy pants on and realize that, yes, the, the organization changed and the dysfunction is absolutely correct, but you signed up for it, number one, or at least the chance for it, based on history. Number two was this idea, and this is where I think, uh, and we're all human, we all get sensitive at times, so don't get me wrong, but this idea, well, he's not, nobody appreciates, I have to talk every year about how he's not going to get traded, and Okay, it's a tough business, man. I mean, listen, <laughs> there's lots of people who have to talk about their job every single year. I mean, in every sport. So so I get that he feels betrayed by that, but it's a business first. If, if David Carr said something inappropriate on TV, which I'm not saying he would, do you think the NFL Network would have any problem or loyalty to David Carr and not fire him? They would. They would. We see it every single day. Business comes first. Uh, and so that piece of it to me is real interesting. He then talks about his performance. What I'm, what, I guess what I'm struck by, Mo, and I'll, I'll encapsulate this so I don't go into 18 different things, is that he talks about Derek's performance and, I mean, about loyalty and him sticking through all that stuff and that he wanted to be a Raider. All true. And I, and I believe he meant it. I really do. I don't think Derek Carr is a liar. But the performance he points out, fourth quarter comebacks, all these things, they did not transpire into the team winning. Not all his fault. Don't take me wrong. Don't misquote me. But I don't understand the court. That is where the brother, the protectiveness of family, is overlooking the fact that your brother didn't get bounced because they're just disloyal jerks. He got bounced because they don't believe in him, and he didn't perform as well this year. That's not brought up. I agree with you. And I, and I will say, and I said this on Twitter on Wednesday, loyalty and objectivity don't go hand in hand. True. I, I, I don't expect when I turn in, when I tune into NFL network and I see or hear David Carr talk about his brother, I expect to get one side of the story. Correct. So when I tune into NFL network and I hear Ian Rappaport or Mike Garofalo or Tom Pelissero, then I expect to get a balanced, fair right. picture of the story. So it all depends on, Know who you're listening to and know what you're getting. Yeah. And I use this analogy. Nick Wright is on Fox Sports, right? Shout out to Nick Wright. Um, you know, he went to Syracuse, has a successful career in the media. Mm-hmm. Nick Wright is clearly a Chiefs fan. That is, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. When I he hear Nick Wright, yeah. right, when I hear Nick Wright break down NFL games and the Chiefs come up, come up, I know he's gonna be biased toward the Chiefs. Right. I know that, right? But right. he's not exercising the ultimate journalistic etiquette either. So yeah. what I'm saying is David Carr Fair. is one of 
many people in the media who may not okay nick wright may not have family but mm-hmm. there are clear biases and slants all over the media. You see it all the time. These people yeah. in the media, that, like you and I, get on TV and they talk, and you know they're fans of the Jets, they're fans of the of the Raiders, they're fans of the Chiefs, they're fans of the Eagles, whoever, the Cowboys. Michael Irvin is an analyst. We know he played for the Cowboys, but when he talks, we all know this where the slant is going. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. We know where this. He's a Steelers fan. I, I can rattle off so many media personalities and I can tell you what their fan affiliation is. Which is so, so foreign to me, Mo, because that's not how it used to be. I know it's the new world. We just have to, it is what it is. I mean, the publications, the channels they work for, they all accept it as new journalistic uh, ethics. I don't per se, but that's okay. I mean, that, that's where we're at. I'm not in control of the system. So mm-hmm. I can be critical of those folks and they yeah. probably don't care. But I I think in this case, and we'll end the conversation on this one, unless you have anything else, which is, I just think in this case that it, it, that the way he's presenting it has gone to, for me, an unprofessional realm. And I mean unprofessional in that, you know, listen, I've heard, because somebody tweeted at me about uh, Nick Lombardi being on the Raiders and how, how his dad, who we've had on the show many times, uh, talks about the Raiders all the time, but his dad is critical of the Raiders. Like his dad is critical of the offense, which his son, quote unquote, runs. That's the difference for me. If, if now again, you, you're defensive of your brother, totally fine. He feels betrayed. He's loyal, whatever. At the same time, look, you know, uh, did Derek play his best? No, he didn't play his best. But he's not going to say that. So I get it because you know what your brother's saying that on TV. But right. I just think that that's why it's such a delicate situation. And I think nothing against David Carr. But I think that's why you don't have guys like that covering their own family or teams that they like. You as a, as an as a but back to your point about ratings. So there you go. All right. Well, we're gonna. Do you have anything but else I before have, we close I have, out? Yeah. I have, I have one other thing. Yes. And this may be a little long, so I'm sorry. But I have uh, to get this out. There, we're already at right? 28 minutes for the segment, but it's okay. I, I, it's a long I, one. I'm so sorry, but I have to get this <laughs> off my chest. And and car fans and car supporters oh. gonna be mad at me for saying this, but this whole thing that he's a victim. Yeah. I, I think it's blown out of proportion because. We haven't heard directly from Derek Carr yet. We've heard from David Carr. We, we've heard from reporters. We've heard rumors. But we haven't heard directly from Derek. And we don't know how he feels. And my thing is, if the Raiders had, have done Derek Carr so dirty, as some fans say, I, I don't see how Derek Carr would want to work with them on a trade. So my logic is, if you know you're going to trade this guy, why are you going to treat him poorly? Right. So I think we'll see what happens if Derek Carr is willing to work with the Raiders because he can mess up, he can blow up their trade plans completely and say, I'm Absolutely. not waiving my no trade clause at right. all. Just right. cut me and I can I can make a, enough money somewhere else. I don't have to make the same contract I'm making now, but I can make enough money. I just don't see why the team would do him filthy knowing they have to work with him at the, in the offseason to trade him. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and this is why I don't think that Derek Carr feels like They've done him absolutely dirty. I think we're hearing from fans. We're hearing from his brother. We're hearing from everyone but him. We don't know exactly how Derek Carr feels right now. But again, the question that I've posed over and over and over to the fans of this show and fans uh, of Raider Nation who who feel that way, and even some that I don't know that I just jumped in their conversations, which I usually don't do on, on social media, which is, okay, so how should they have done it? How should they have said, hey, Derek, you're benched. Um, and, and I jokingly sometimes smart ass, like say, what, what do you want them to do? Throw a parade for a guy they benched? Like, 
I, no one's given me an answer except for they should have let him play the final two games. Okay, that's one answer. But they benched him. If you bench somebody, how do you treat it from that point on? Well, they more than benched him. They were going to get rid of him. Okay, they're getting rid of him. Yes, they are. So, so how do you handle that with more respect? Again, well, people, oh, fans, from, and I get it from a fan standpoint, let him play his type of games, let him do a, a, a ring around the stadium and wave at people like you do when you retire, but that's not what happens. Look at what happened with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Look what happened with Eli Manning in New York. Okay, th- that's not how, now Eli Manning retired eventually, and, we, and he got celebrated, but when he first got benched, there was no like, Okay, yeah, we're going to have a parade for you. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank you, Eli, for everything. No, there was none of that. There's a time for that. And for Derek Carr, one day when the feelings subside, he should come back. He should light the torch. They should honor him. No question. He was a loyal Raider. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And Derek Carr should always be that. I just think the, the shock of it is just overwhelming people emotionally. They're not thinking. And one more thing, and I'll shut up, I promise, yeah. on this segment. But I, And you, you pointed <laughs> it out. I think... And I watched Eli Manning kind of get chewed to the side when he, yeah. you know, when he was over the hill, so to speak. And I think, as you said, there will be a time where they will honor him. It's just not right now. I obviously, I think once all is said and done, his career is over. He's going to get showered with with so much gratitude and respect. It's just not going to happen now because the feelings are still raw. Well, not only that, but and and maybe the Eli Manning thing at the end of it's a little different because Derek Carr is not going to retire. Derek Carr's got years left. If he wants to go play, mm-hmm. which David said he does, mm-hmm. he's got years to play. So you don't celebrate. I mean, Ken Stabler got traded. Al Davis traded him, okay, to the Saints. They didn't have a parade for him either. They celebrated him afterwards. So, so I think it's the same type of thing. Ken Stabler wasn't done. He wanted to play, so they traded him. Okay, so I I think that there's going to be time for healing. The timing is not now because this team is focused on the future. All right. And we're going to focus on the future in the next (laughs) segment. In fact, part of Vinny's article, part of all the news cycle this week has been, yes, again, rumors, Tom Brady to the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. If you listen to Mo enough, you know he's been talking about a guy that would fit the McDaniels system. Who's run the McDaniels system better than the TB12? Uh, nobody. So we're going to talk about that and why the case for Tom Brady might be the best one. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up after the break. You're listening to Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back. Segment number two of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Also, for those of you listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and also 1140 The Bet, hello, Nevada. We appreciate you being with us. If you're listening to us on the radio and you don't subscribe on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Silver and Black today. I am Scott Colbranson, your host, along with my co-host and partner, Mr. Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist on sportsnot.com. Follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. And I am at LV Gully, the show, SNB today. Okay, Mo. So, of course, as soon as the Derek Carr decision was made, now almost about 10 some days ago, uh, was who's going to be the next quarterback? Well, we know Jared Stidham is in the middle of his two-game audition for some role with the Raiders or with perhaps another opportunity somewhere else if he doesn't stay with the Raiders because he will be a free agent after the season. But one of the names that keeps coming up, of course, is Tom Brady because of his familiarity with the system that Josh McDaniels, he was his offensive coordinator, or somebody probably would say that Tom Brady was the offensive coordinator and and, uh, he dictated more. But either way, Tom Brady is having a year in Tampa. Uh, He started off poorly. Let's just face it. Uh, Coming off uh, the Super Bowl win and all that jazz that they had a couple years ago, uh, he he struggled this year. Now, we talk about outside influences, things like that. Tom Brady went through a divorce right at the beginning of the year. We we saw it was very public, very ugly. Uh, All those things happened. So, So maybe that was part of his struggle. He also has a Buccaneers team that has aged significantly, an older roster. Also beset by perhaps most the most injuries of, uh, of of maybe five teams in the NFL this season uh but yet they sit at eight and eight ready to make the playoffs and and won the division so you look at this team you look at Tom Brady a lot of people have written him off and saying he's dried up I don't think that but you look at Tom Brady let's first start with where he's at at 45 years old yes he's not the 35 year old Tom Brady or not even the 40 year old Tom Brady but Mo, give me an assessment of Tom Brady as a possible candidate. We'll talk about him getting to Vegas, but as far as a football player go, where is Tom Brady right now? How should people look at his skills, his ability at his age? I want to talk directly to the Tom Brady is washed up people really quick. Just hear me <laughs> out real quick. Now. You, you mentioned the injuries, and I get all, all you know all teams have to deal with injuries. Uh, but one thing that I want to point out that doesn't get enough play or enough discussion is let's remember Bruce Arians is no longer there. I think Tom Brady misses the structure and the touch that Bruce Arians put on that offense because he has the same weapons. I know his offensive line has been banged up, but when you got two pro bowl wide receivers and a good supporting cast around that group, decent, decent tight end play, you would figure Tom Brady be able to move the ball with that offense. But when you watch the games, I've watched a lot of Buccaneers Tom Brady games his time in sync with his receivers just look off. And I think you can attribute mm-hmm. some of that to Bruce Arians no longer being there and him talking directly to or game planning directly with Byron Leftwich. That's not Byron Leftwich, but Bruce Arians has been around the block so many times. And we all know how his offense looks when it's clicking. And it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it has looked this year. Now, now, the other thing I want to say about Tom Brady is, yes, his statistical numbers show that he's having a down year. But... If you put, plug him into the Vegas offense, now I know Vegas needs a couple offensive linemen, maybe three of them. They need a defense, so he's he's he will be leaving behind some things that he had in Tampa Bay. 
Yeah. But he's got Darren Waller for now, assuming that the Rays don't trade these guys. He has Darren Waller. He has Hunter Renfro. He has arguably the best wide receiver in the game would have in, in Devontae Adams. I think that would make Devontae Adams happy to knowing that a <laughs> winner like Tom Brady is coming to Vegas. And I think Tom Brady would be happy knowing that he has those offensive playmakers. Now, even at 45, 46 years old, I think Tom Brady can still attract quality players to come to Vegas with yeah. him. So for the people saying, well, Vegas doesn't have a good defense. Vegas doesn't have a great offensive line. I think an offensive lineman or two would come to Vegas with Brady knowing that, okay, this team has a chance if Brady has protection. Because right. I will say that one of the knocks, one of the cons that I have against Brady is in this league today, you're not bringing in, I would say immobile, but statue quarterbacks and seeing them succeed. The quarterbacks you see coming into the league now and succeeding can move. Tom Brady cannot do that. So if you're bringing in a Tom Brady, you better have a good offensive line because he's Absolutely. not moving. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. the that's one yeah. thing so if you're bringing Tom Brady I would want to know that he can attract a couple of offensive linemen maybe a defender or two because the Raiders have over 34 million in cap space right now so they can maneuver free to see if they bring in a Tom Brady assuming that their car is off the roster so it's not like okay we bring in Tom Brady what do we do now if guys still want to play with Tom Brady who by the way is a winner and if we all say he's having a down year, guess what? The Buccaneers are still in the playoffs. And by the way, I, <laughs> I watched the Raiders blow. Right. I watched the Raiders blow five second-half double-digit leagues. Yep. I watched Tom Brady bring his team back and win four games late in the fourth quarter. Yep. You cannot tell me that Josh McDaniels looks at that and says, well, if I'm on the hot seat or if I'm under some pressure to win in 2023 yeah. – who else can you trust than the guy you've coached for about 13 years as a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator other than Tom Brady? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think a couple things. Number one, number one, Mo and I are not sitting here making a campaign to get Tom Brady. We're talking about because no. people jump to these conclusions. <laughs> but I will say this, that where his skill set is now, I agree with you. Is he the 40-year-old Tom Brady? The 30? No, he's not. He's had a down year. And I think... You know, for all of you out there who I think have a good point about why Derek Carr struggled a little bit this season with because of coaching, I think you're right. I'm not saying it was all Derek Carr. We've said that all along here. Been very critical of Josh McDaniels at times. Uh, and the same can be said for Tom Brady. As great as he is, Byron Leftwich and that coaching staff, it's a whole different feel than what they had with Bruce Arians. And so there's a little bit of that. And then you add in the injury and everything on top of it, <clears throat> including the personal things at the beginning of the year, which would be distracting to the best athlete uh, ever. Uh, so, so I look at that. But the key to, to, to your point, I think, Mo, where Tom Brady makes sense and why they could get the roster further along and win faster, not only because of his skill set, but because of that master recruiter role. You heard David Carr talk about Derek Carr recruiting Devontae Adams. When you look at Tom Brady, and I know how fans feel because of their allegiances, but if you're an NFL player and you're a free agent and you're looking to go somewhere, you kind of want to be close to that guy because it tends to work out that wherever he goes, you have a pretty good chance of being in the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. Okay? So if that's the case... Or at least I'm, or he's I'm getting to the playoffs. Or he's getting you into the playoffs at the very least. And then you toss in the Vegas thing and all that stuff, and it makes... And, of course, the Raiders, despite the fact that they've struggled for 25 years, it's still the Raiders' brand. So to me, it's it's feasible. Now, here's the question I'll ask you before we move on and, and, and why I think the case for Tom Brady makes sense. Will it happen? I have no idea. I think there's a possibility. What the percentage is, no clue. 20 30% at this point? Who knows? If, if it was between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Mo, 
what would you do? <laughs> I would probably stumped. That, that that's a tough question because on one hand you're gonna have to pay a lot more for Aaron Rodgers and yes. then you won't have you won't have a, a near a, as much to spend on the supporting cast as you would with a Tom Brady. The other thing is Tom Brady knows Joshua the system. system. I'd probably yes. I would probably go from a logistics standpoint, yeah. knowing that the Raiders have work to do in the secondary across their defense and the offensive line. I would probably go with Tom Brady because then you can get more with him as far as the supporting mm-hmm. cast. If you get Aaron Rodgers, he's probably going to want his money. I believe he's on a $50-plus million contract. So so you're limited as far as your financial resources, which you can do. And yes. we all know the Raiders need multiple defenders. They need multiple offensive linemen. <laughs> Who knows what happens with Josh Jacobs, but they need pieces other than a quarterback. Correct. And as we didn't mention it earlier on, but just so folks know, Tom Brady can walk away from the Buccaneers after this season scot-free. So he can go wherever he wants. Uh, or he can stay there. So so it depends what happens there, too. I think the Buccaneers will keep him, try to keep him as much as they can. Uh, but as Mo said, Derek Carr could end up there. That might be a spot where he ends up if you read if you read Mo's latest column where he talks about possible destinations, right? See, I'm plugging you, man. You got to love that, right? <laughs> that's, that's what partnership is about. That's right. Uh, but that's the case for Tom Brady. We'll see where it all goes. I'm, and we've got a lot more talking to do about this and other possible targets. Uh, Mo has mentioned in the past, Mac Jones knows the system as well as Jimmy Garoppolo, who's hurt way too often, but somebody else the Raiders could look at as well. We're going to take a quick break here uh, in the second leg here of our show, Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on 98.5 The Fan and 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas. When we come back, we're going to move forward a little bit. We're going to talk about the game against the Chiefs at Allegiant, down at Allegiant Stadium. Do the Raiders have a shot at this one? I think they do, and they can play spoiler. Isn't that nice against the hated Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, you're listening to Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us. You can also catch the show on 98.5 The Fan and 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas. If you're listening and dialing in the radio, or now it's just touching, right? There's no knobs anymore, really. Uh, But anyway, you can find it there or stream it on the Odyssey app, which is a really cool app or anywhere you get your audio. All right, Mo, um, let's talk in this segment, the season coming to an end on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. Of course, a disappointing season for the fans, a disappointing season in that uh, lots of change is going to hit this organization in the offseason. We know starting at quarterback, we'll see a lot of changes on the defense, some on the offensive line. We don't know about coaching staff, uh, although I think the coaching staff mostly at the highest levels, coordinator levels will stay intact, no problem, uh, especially when the offensive coordinator technically is your head coach. Uh, he's not going anywhere either. Uh, but as the season comes to the end, the Raiders have an opportunity, Mo, with this game against the Chiefs to not only beat one of their hated AFC West rivals, but perhaps to play spoiler with the seeding for the AFC playoffs. Now, we don't know as of this show what the NFL is going to do about the Bengals and the Bills. They know, we know they're not playing that game this week, clearly, because we're rolling up on Thursday. And then Sunday, uh, they've kept week 18 as is. Are they going to add this game between week 18 and the first week of the playoffs somehow? We don't know. On a short week, a Thursday, we don't know what's going to happen. So it could end up 
that they counted as a no contest. Both teams are not punished, and the winning percentages rule out. If that's the case, then the Chiefs pretty much get the number one seed. But the Raiders have the opportunity here to play spoiler. And Jared Stidham, round two, has a great game against the number one defense in the in the in the NFL. Now gets to play the middle road off or defense. But on the other side, offense, Mahomes having another MVP like year. How do you see the matchup here for the Raiders knowing? The issues they have on defense, we saw it last year against the 49 or last week against the 49ers, um, but also on offense with still a young quarterback who's got a lot to prove. I think we're going to see a scoring shootout part two in the wild, wild west between the Chiefs and the, <laughs> and the Raiders. Uh, last game was 30 to 29 Chiefs. I think we could see a similar score, assuming Jared Stidham looks even closer as impressive as he did in his career. Uh, career star debut so I, I think Jared Stidham is going to actually play well a lot of people have said you know pump the brakes it's it's one game and, and we've said that too that mm-hmm. once you put something once you put a full game on film as a starter defenses are able to game plan they know your tendencies they pick up on certain things that you do that you may not under that you may not see that you do under the huddle that tips them off to how you're going to throw where you're going to put the ball so it's going to be a tougher challenge, but as you said, it's a it's a weaker defense compared to the 49ers unit. The Chiefs have allowed the most passing touchdowns this season, so that's something to look forward to if you're a Raiders fan you're cheering for Jared Stidham to possibly get meaningful snaps in 2023. But again, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it could be a six-point game either way, but I'm going to say that the Chiefs win it because they're going to have more on the line. And as I've said, the Raiders' defense, while it has played well in stretches, let's not Let's not you know overblow this. They, their secondary not not good. Oh, Nate Hobbs has had his struggles. Merrick has had his struggles. No Denzel Perriman, no Chandler Jones. That Chiefs defense mm-hmm. is going to put up a lot of points. Yeah, and that, and that's where I'm at too. I I think the and maybe I'm a little more bullish. I think the Raiders could win this game if their offense performs like it did uh, and limits turnovers. Listen, I mean if if the Raiders. If Stidham isn't knocked back into, and I'm not making excuses, he threw an interception. His first interception actually was worse than the second. But if you look at if you look at what happened there with Colton Miller, um, and he completes that pass because the receiver was open. By the way, if he does hit that pass, the Raiders are in in the red zone, maybe even a touchdown, uh, and they win it in overtime. So so I look at that and I think to myself, if the Raiders can limit and Jared Stidham can limit turnovers and then get a break somehow from the Chiefs with a turnover, then I think they can outscore the Chiefs. But I think that's going to be a hard task because I do believe exactly what you said, which is this defense is going to have a hard time containing. Listen, in, in what year, Travis Kelsey in six or seven, I can't remember, um, they've not been able to stop him in that many years in, in any game. They can't stop him. They can't stop him. So Travis Kelsey is going to go nuts, and then you're going to have Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. <laughs> And so, yeah, you're going to have to outscore them. So the odds of the Raiders beating them, I think, is low, but it is there if they can play, quote-unquote, almost like that perfect game on offense. And I think Jared Sinem showed he could. If he limits two two plays last week, I think they beat the 49ers. So we'll see how it all goes down. But as folks roll into this game, I mean, the Chiefs too, Bo, here's the thing. As I said to start this segment, we don't know what's going to happen with the seeding quite yet. If the Chiefs know by Sunday that they got the number one lock seed locked in, do they pull people back? Possibly. And the Raider fans will probably not want to hear that because they want to hire a draft pick when it comes exactly. rolls around in April. So I know uh, Rock Raider 585 asked me, you know, what are the implications if the Raiders actually win or lose that game? 
I think they could slide up or down two spots based on the other teams. The Falcons are in that um, area, top 10, top 11 picks. The Carolina Panthers are in that in that group. So it all, all depends on what some other teams do. But if you're rooting for a higher draft pick, obviously you're rooting. I hate to say rooting for a loss as a fan. <laughs> but some fans are, are saying, well, the best case scenario is Jared Stidham looks good. The Raiders lose close to maintain a good spot in the draft floor. Right, because I think the highest they can move up at this point based on what we know is six, right? Six or seven. Six or seven. So Because the Falcons so, are right with them too. Yeah, the Falcons are right with them. So we'll see what happens there. And and I think, listen, I think I think the Raiders if they if they go after a quarterback in the draft, they're gonna move they're gonna probably try to trade up anyway, no matter where they land. Um, but we'll see how that all works out. But it, it it's it's it, this season again, more uh, I think the Derek Carr situation, as as explosive as that has been for fans, I'm not surprised by it, right? Because we we had talked about the fact for since the contract extension that he had an out. So this season being um, a kind of with the upheaval in the season has been much more about wins and losses. And then as time went on, it was about the quarterback. And you get that. But I think for Raider fans, it would be nice in some ways to win the game to end the season. But to your point, uh, when they're now in a, if you want to call it a mini rebuild mode, whatever you want to call it, retooling mode, however you want to say it, to lose has its benefits. Right. I guess that's the soft landing. But you, <laughs> we, as much as we talk about lose and get a good draft pick, you, you just said it, though. What if they're able to get a one for Derek Carr? It really, I don't think it, it lessens the the significance of it, are they six or eight? Because right. if they let's say they want CJ Stroud, I'm just putting this out there. Let's say they yeah. want CJ Stroud and they want to move up for him. You're gonna probably package two first round picks to move up anyway. Now, of course, you have to have a dance partner in a trade move like that. Is a team gonna be willing to move back? What if you know what if the top two teams or top three teams want CJ Stroud as well? So to me, Never it's know. there. Are, there are so many moving parts here. Oh yeah, I think the Rams. I think the Rams. If they beat the Seahawks, that's how the Raiders move up to the sixth spot. If the Rams beat the Seahawks, and the Falcons beat the Buccaneers, Tom Brady is playing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Then the Raiders and the Raiders lose. They can move up to six, and I'm sure fans would be ecstatic because people are pining for J- Jalen Carter, and yep. they're saying, well, if the Raiders get a veteran quarterback and they keep Stidham, he could be their developmental guy get a top defender instead of a quarterback in, with the first pick. So a lot to talk about, obviously, a lot of playoff implications, draft implications, but I'm sure you and Murph will do a good job breaking it all down <laughs> after after the Chiefs game is over. Yeah, we will, and that's uh, that's where we're going to catch you next time is on Saturday, of course. Uh, the Raiders game is on Saturday this week, and as it was bumped to Saturday. So we will be with you after the game live, myself, Murph, and Evan Grote. Uh, we'll have instant reaction to how the Raiders performing against the Chiefs, so we'll get to see how Jarrett Stidham does as well. And then Mo and I will be back uh, to in our normal slot next Tuesday to talk about this. But Mo thinks the Chiefs. I think sort of the Chiefs, maybe the Raiders. I'm kind of in the middle on it. I think it could go either way. Um, but if I'm throwing money down on it, I'm not betting the Jets when Mo tells me because he told me <laughs> last week to bet the Jets, and I did, and they didn't yeah. win. I was really Nelly, disappointed. You now. you warned me though. You oh, said, yeah. "Ah, I'm telling you, but I'm not." Yeah. So anyway, but if I was betting, I'm betting the Chiefs for sure. Uh, depending on the line, we'll see what the line's at. But anyhow, uh, we appreciate you being with us, Mo. Uh, I know you had your column about possible destinations for Derek Carr based on David Carr. You know, not being in a in a weird situation or a dysfunctional situation. Anything else coming up you want to tell people about? 
Uh, actually, Wednesday I had out the scenarios for Jared Stidham. Basically, I said Jared Stidham is probably at the very least going to be the number two quarterback. Now, if the Raiders obviously go out and get a Brady, Jimmy G, Mac Jones, who I've thrown out, who fans they hate fans hate that idea, but I think Mac Jones is a possibility outside the box, of course. If one of those guys joins the Raiders, then Jared Stidham is going to be the number two guy. Yeah. The interesting part is if Jared, if the Raiders don't bring in another veteran. And they and they just draft a rookie. Jarrett Stidham has a legitimate chance to be the starting quarterback in 2023, assuming that he plays well against the Chiefs. Uh, so I talked about that. The other comments you mentioned, uh, quarterback carousal. Basically, I played matchmaker, uh, matched a quarterback with the team. I took eight of the top quarterbacks who are going to be available via free agency or trade, aka Derek Carr. And I have a spot for Derek Carr. I don't want to. I don't want to get too far into it. You mentioned it <laughs> on a previous segment, but I have two yes. spots that I think Derek Carr fits, and one spot, the one spot that I put out there on Thursday. I think people are gonna not be too surprised, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned last week Miami. If two is done, so I'm with you on that one. Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie is a front Reggie office executive. In my, a lot of people, a lot of people are forgetting this. A lot of people are connecting Derek Carr to the Titans because Todd Downing is the offensive coordinator. Yes. Todd Downing has not been a great offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans let him go. Remember, the Titans yeah. fired their GM in the middle of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if the direction of that team is up in flux. And remember what Darren Carr, David Carr said. Not Darren. Darren's the other brother. Remember what <laughs> David Carr said on NFL Network. His brother wants stability. If yeah. the Titans are in the midst of changes, I don't think that's appealing to, to Derek Carr. Correct. Yeah, Miami's in a much better state. Also, Miami, who who is really sucking wind because they don't have a quarterback. Mm, a right? healthy one. A healthy mm-hmm. quarterback. So that's what's happened there. Uh, if they had if they had Derek Carr playing at his normal level right now, uh, they're not in the middle of a seven-game losing streak or six-game. I can't remember what, what it is at now, but um, I, I think they're there. So, so there you go. So there's kind words about Derek Carr for those of you keeping notes and seeing how many times De- we say things. And Derek doesn't miss games, so Correct. that he'd be to me exactly. he'd be perfect. If the Raiders can't get a one for Derek Carr and they have to settle for a two, which the Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins do have, he would be perfect for Miami. He would have Terry yeah. Kill, he would have Jalen Waddle, yeah. some some key defenders over there. And as again, he's healthy. Tua can't stay healthy. Teddy Bridgewater can't stay yeah. healthy. Derek Carr will uplift that franchise. And it's a warm weather city. Yes, he's got to play yep. in New England, uh, Buffalo, and. Uh, some other spots on the Cincinnati. West Coast, but he, yeah, Cincinnati. But but other than that, he's you know I think he's fine. So we'll see how it goes. All right, Mo, we will talk to you next week, my friend. We'll see if it's a win or a loss for the Raiders. But <laughs> talk about it either way. That's right. All right, for everyone here at Silver and Black today, including our producer David Stepanian and Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranson. Don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the show. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Also, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. You can watch us there as well. Subscribe, hit the notifications bell. For everybody here, have a great, great weekend. Enjoy the game, everybody. And we will talk to you Saturday night live after Raiders versus Chiefs. Take care, everybody.